You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hi everyone, I hope you're having a positive Employment Rights Week. This week, we're continuing with our series of podcasts on the status of workers. And we particularly want to look at the difference in employment status between temporary workers and agency workers. And the reason for this is because in real terms, they're actually different, even though Temporary workers is self-explanatory and sometimes agency workers are also called temporary workers or temps. And there is a difference between the two. And right there in that difference, if you don't understand what the difference is, it could cost you a lot of money between the two statuses. This week, we're going to use the big news of the week from the post office and one of its big subsidiary companies who lost an employment tribunal appeal hearing two weeks ago over the issue of treating their agency workers as if they are temporary workers. And indeed, as if they're temporary workers for whom the agency has no responsibility. How ironic that we should be dealing with the status of agency workers for the last two weeks to this week find an example of the kind of behaviour employers get up to in the pursuit of denying workers their employment rights and their full employment payments. Now, in this particular case, Angard Staffing Solutions, which is in fact a Royal Mail subsidiary, used by Royal Mail to provide staff to itself. Well, Angard had refused to define its workers as agency workers, even after they had completed their regulatory 12-week qualification period. And you'll remember that because we spoke about that a few episodes ago. And Angard did this just so they wouldn't have to treat their temporary workers the same way as their workers who have got full worker status, some of whom are agency workers and some of whom are employed directly by Royal Mail. So rather than classify those temporary workers provided to Royal Mail as agency workers, what they did was classify them solely as temporary workers who were seconded to work for Royal Mail meaning that the workers were merely being loaned to Royal Mail. Now, in this case, the worker that we're talking about was registered with Angard Staffing Solutions, which, as I said, is really Royal Mail under a different name. Now, the worker found that he had worked for the company, that's Angard, for 12 weeks. But even after working that qualifying period, he wasn't entitled to the same treatment as his Royal Mail colleagues. Now, all he wanted was to have a swipe card to get into the building and he wanted to be able to use the on-site fitness centre. 
But then he also found that he was not being paid the same as his colleagues for his rest breaks and was not receiving the same annual leave as his colleagues who were employed directly by Royal Mail. Originally, he raised a grievance and then made a claim to the Employment Tribunal alleging unfair treatment and citing a breach of the agency workers' regulations. At the initial employment tribunal hearing, the worker won the right to be classified as an agency worker because the employment tribunal wasn't persuaded that the working arrangements between Royal Mail and Angard were on the basis of workers being sent to Royal Mail on arrangements like secondments because secondments don't qualify for agency status. The tribunal also wasn't persuaded that the contracts under which the temporary workers were being hired did not have a degree of permanency in the arrangements or an expectation that only the agency would be telling them what to do. Indeed, it was different because they would turn up for work at Royal Mail and it would be Royal Mail telling them what to do. So the tribunal instead saw that things were very clear, that the workers, although they were temporary workers allegedly hired to Royal Mail on a secondment, and that's how it looked on paper, in reality, the workers were behaving just like other agency workers and just like permanent members of staff. There was a bit of a strange situation Because even though the tribunal found in the workers' favour and said that he wasn't a temporary worker, he was an agency worker, the tribunal did agree with Royal Mail that the worker shouldn't be entitled to the same payments for annual leave or the same rest breaks or payments for rest breaks. Clearly, The reasons for the tribunal saying that were not adequate for the worker because he then filed an appeal with the Employment Appeals Tribunal and the Employment Appeals Tribunal agreed with the worker. And the Employment Appeals Tribunal said that the worker was a full agency worker entitled to everything that other agency workers got, which included his full payments for his annual leave, and full payments and access to rest breaks. Now, Royal Mail obviously did not take this defeat lightly because, of course, there are huge financial implications of having to pay everyone the same level of annual leave and, in addition to that, the cost of equalising other payments, like rest breaks. So Royal Mail is now seeking leave to appeal to the Court of Appeal to have this issue looked at again. Now, when we get that result, we'll come back to this because it is important. Now, of course, Royal Mail and Angard were counting on being able to persuade the tribunal that Angard was only a hiring company that arranged temporary workers for Royal Mail and nothing else. The key point to remember here is that if you work for a hiring company and all that the hiring company does is arrange temporary work for you with other companies, 
and it is the hiring company that tells you what to do, then you're classified as a temporary worker. Now, you being a temporary worker has major benefits for the employer. For example, one of the key advantages of employing temporary workers through a hiring company is that you can be kept on the books and working continuously for the employer for as long as four years without ever receiving anything more than your basic employment rights. So, for example, the only rights you could get would be the right to be paid the national minimum wage, the right to receive holiday pay, protection from unlawful deduction from your wages, and protections from health and safety violations and discriminations, alongside protections for whistleblowing disclosures. But the key concern here is that not many temporary workers are going to know that they can be on a temporary contract and seconded out and loaned out to a company for as long as four years before the law says that after four years, that temporary contract needs to be turned into a permanent one. I remember years gone by where a temporary worker could only be on a temporary contract for 12 months. That period has now been extended to four years. And so for four years, if you are a temporary worker responsible to a hiring agency, you have no protection against things like termination of your employment or the right to be paid redundancy pay. Now, this is significant because if you were an employee, you would only need to work for two years before you got access to your full employment rights in terms of being able to claim unfair dismissal and in terms of receiving redundancy pay. However, if you're a temporary worker, you have to work continuously for the same employer for four years before you get access to the same rights. Because after four years, your temporary contract automatically converts into a permanent contract and you get all of the employment rights of a permanent worker, unless, of course, the employer can demonstrate good business reasons why this should not happen. And so when employers know the four-year rule, it is one of the major incentives to not employ permanent workers as employee. Now, what's not to like here if you're Royal Mail? You get good quality workers from your subsidiary company whom you can keep on the books for at least four years and never have to pay them any of the company benefits or rewards. And if you need to downsize the business, you can just get rid of these workers and it won't cost you a penny in redundancy. So where did Royal Mail go wrong? Royal Mail forgot that if you have a subsidiary company, that is one of the indicators that the hiring company might not be as independent as is suggested. The second point is in the arrangements for those workers. If you're an agency worker, 
then you'll have a contract with an agency, but you work temporarily for an employer. And that's why agency workers are sometimes called temporary workers. But the key point here is that whilst you are working on the job for the company to whom you've been hired out to, if you're an agency worker, it is the employer of the business that you've been sent to who tells you how you should do your work. But if you are just an ordinary temporary worker, then you're going to find yourself working on a managed service contract, which are contracts where the agency provides a service to the company. And the kinds of services that fall into this arrangement are things like catering or cleaning. And in this case, Royal Mail's postal services, which is what Royal Mail thought. Because in these types of contracts, where it is the agency who loans the company workers, in these types of arrangements, it is the agency who tells you what to do on a day-to-day basis. So you're working in a different company, but if you need to turn left or right or work on the second floor or the first floor, it is the agency who tells you that and not the employer. And that's the difference between a standard agency worker and someone else who is just a temporary worker. The differences might only seem slight on paper, but in financial terms, the impact could be major if you don't know the correct status or understand why you belong to a particular employment status. So you have to stay aware. So again, if you are an agency worker, you will have a contract with an agency but you will work temporarily for an employer. And whilst you're working on that job, it is the employer who tells you what you should be doing on a day-to-day basis. And that's what makes you an agency worker. But if you are just an ordinary temporary worker, you could be working for the same company as an agency worker. But whereas the employer tells the agency worker what to do. It is the agency who will tell you what to do because it is the agency who is loaning the workers or seconding the workers to the employer. The employer has no responsibility for those workers. It is the agency who directs the workers on what to do on a day-to-day basis. And that is the fundamental difference between the two. On a final note, over the last week, I've had a number of contacts from people who've been saying that they have been on temporary contracts for as long as eight years. And if that is the case, then the same advice that was given to those workers is the advice I will give now. It is illegal to keep you on a temporary contract for eight years. If you are a temporary worker who is instructed by the agency. It is illegal. The most you can be kept on that contract is four years and then that contract 
automatically converts to a permanent contract with full employment rights. Now, most employers know this. And so usually what happens is just before the four years comes along, your contract is ended and that's you out of the door because the employer knows that it is more expensive to employ you on full employment rights than to just get another agency worker and have the agency instruct that person what to do because it's the agency who carries any of the financial responsibilities for the worker and not the employer. Obviously, if the information resonates with you, the first thing you need to do if you find that your employment rights have been breached is to consider whether you still have time to make a grievance or whether you should be making a claim to an employment tribunal. You'll find all the usual links to grievance documents and help notes in the show notes below. All you need to do is to scroll to the bottom of the notes where you're listening to this podcast and press the see more button. And that will then take you to some downloads which will be able to assist you. I hope you find something useful that will support you to take action in this week's episode. Remember to let others know that we are here by sharing our content and remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'll be here next week when we'll delve into another topic and another podcast dealing with everything employment rights and the job. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.